emergency responders and all those essential people that are out there in harm's way doing good deeds to help other people, Father. So we pray that you bring favor upon their family, Father God. You protect them, and Father, bring peace and comfort over them. And Father, we lift up our government to you, Father God, our local, state, and federal government to you, Father God. We give them to you, Father. We ask that you, man, Father, you speak into them leadership and wisdom and knowledge, Father God. So we pray for them as they have to make those tough decisions, Father, to do what you ask to do. So, Father, we right, right now we just lift up those churches and pastors, Father God, all those churches that are, that are reaching out, Father, reaching out to, to everybody that you brought them, Father God, that, that, Lord, that we don't lose connection with anybody, Father. I pray that you give them the power and the strength and the courage, Father God, to keep pushing through to reach their people and do whatever they can do. So bring favor upon those pastors and their families, Lord. Father, we just lift it all up to you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you've done. And, Father, we give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So, come on, I'm fired up. I'm excited this week. Um, I don't know about you guys, uh, but, but over the last several weeks, um, several, several weeks, uh, I've been hit with uh, a honey-do list. So you have this honey-do list because, well, obviously I have a lot more time on my hands than I did before. Not that we're not working, but, you know, we're not doing all those other things in life that, that steal time from us. So, so as I have time, then my honey has a honey-do list for me. And, and here's what I love is that, that I get to do things and cross it off the list, but, but what's weird is that my list never gets smaller. So I don't know what's happening with that, whether it's, I don't know what kind of ink it is, I don't know what's going on, but it's like I, I cross it off and next thing I know it's bigger. So, so I'm telling you, this is, but, but through this process, what I love is that not only do we fix stuff and we're trying to take care of the honey-do list, I find myself, because I'm a builder, I love building stuff, uh, but I find myself in some spare time where I like to watch TV, I'm always watching the DIY or D- DIY, do, DIY, is that it? HGTV, I'm not even promoting them. Look, I'm just telling you that I like all those, those, those TV shows where they repair stuff, restore stuff, uh, where they flip houses, where people are just buying homes. I love watching that stuff, but unfortunately, when you watch that stuff, then you get more ideas. And then my wife gets more ideas, and next thing I know, I'm building more. Uh, but, but that's what I like to do in my spare time. But through all those... Um, as I'm watching those shows, I really get caught up in it because I love them and I love watching what they do. Um, but I also start catching on to things and I start paying attention to some things. Uh, and what I realize is when people are remodeling a house, when they're um, flipping a house, when they're buying a house, one of the biggest things they look at, one of the, the most important things to look at is the foundation, uh, the structure of the house, the foundation of the house they're buying. So you have to make sure that foundation is good, that you don't have any cracks in the foundation. Um, you, because if you do, well, if you do have cracks, then you've got to fix those things. So, so what it did is I'm watching these shows and I'm looking at all these TV shows and these, these flippers and they're, they're, they're very expensive projects when they buy a house and they have a cracked foundation. So they always tell you to steer away from that. Um, that's one of those biggest things you looked at. So while watching those things, obviously God starts speaking to me and I'm like, man, that's pretty good. He opened my eyes for a message, a message this morning that's kind of off what we've been doing, but we're going to call it cracked. We're going to call it cracked, and we're going to be talking about foundations uh, this morning, foundations. So if you have your Bibles, I'll give you a chance to get it. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, let's go to Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. And this is a verse you've probably heard before. So uh, we're going to start off in Matthew 7, 24. It says, everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who builds his house on an unshakable foundation. 
When the rains fell and the flood came with fierce winds beating upon his house, it stood firm because of its strong foundation. But everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it to his life can be compared to a foolish man who has built his house on sand. When it rained and rained and the flood came and wind with wind and waves beating upon his house, it collapsed and was swept away. Was swept away. What a powerful verse. And it's just a good, um, I love going back into it. Because when you go back into it, it says everyone who hears my teaching and applies it. So that's a big thing. You, you've got to hear the teaching of God. What does that mean, hear the teaching? It means that not only do you have to read the Bible, which is the teaching, you can also hear it. You can listen to sermons, podcasts, however it is. But here's the thing. You can't just read it and expect life to be good. Okay? You have to read it and then apply it to your life. You have to read the word of God and apply those principles to your life. Why? Because rain is going to come. It's going to rain. There's going to be storms. And if you want to stand firm, if you want, your, you want to stand firm in your house, in, in, your, in your family, in your life, you need to be on a strong foundation, which is built on the word of God. But it also says that those that do not do that, so those that, that might hear the word but not apply it, so those ones that, that, that just simply hear it or read it, but they don't apply any of those principles to their life. It's like a house being built on sand. And what that means is when the waves come and the storms come, it washes it away and that foundation crumbles and it collapses and it's swept away. So I'm telling you what I love about this is that when you apply, um, apply God's word, here's the thing. It's uh, through his word is also faith. So faith, come, faith comes through hearing, right? So hearing is through the word of God. So we need to have faith in God. We need to hear his word. We need to be in his word. We need to be around the word and we need to apply his word to our life kind of like this. Uh, it's kind of like saving money. Okay, I'm going to kind of relate it to money, just a good topic today. So like saving money. I could tell you how to save money. I could tell you and show you how I save money. I could show you my savings account. I could show you my budget and say, this is how you save money. So you could have all the knowledge about saving money, but if you don't apply those principles, you will never have a savings account. It just doesn't happen. Or like a, having a retirement account or an IRA or a Roth IRA. I can show you how to invest. I can show you a portfolio. I can talk to you about how powerful that is and how, how good that is to have. But once again, if you don't apply that to your life, those principles to what you're doing, you're never going to have a retirement account. Okay, and if all that's out of the way for you, how about debt? Let's just talk about debt. I can sit you down and go through a budget and talk to you about how to manage your debt and how to get out of debt. I can show you how to budget that so that you'll have a plan in place so that eventually you won't have debt. But once again, I can show you people that are debt-free. I can show you everything in their life. But if you don't apply the principles of getting out of debt, I can even give you the Dave Ramsey book. I can put you through every class you can think of. But if you don't apply it to your life, you're never going to be out of debt. It's just how it is. So you have to apply the principles uh, to your life if you want good things in life to happen. So, so when we hear the word of God and we apply those principles to our life, it's like building a house on a solid foundation. So like I said, it doesn't mean the storms and the wind and the rain are not going to come. What it means is that when they do come, okay, it might hurt. It, 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 you, you might have some damage, but you're still going to be standing. You're still going to have the power of God in you getting you through it. He's by you through the storm. He's with you, and you'll be standing. So you're not going to be washed away. or any, But like I said, it doesn't mean that the storm's not going to come. We're trying to prepare you for the storm. We're trying to prepare you for what is happening. 
Sorry, I'm getting way ahead, but I'm getting fired up. <laughs> so, so when I think about that, and we're going through, um, we're going through life, we're going through what's going on right now in life, and I can relate that to a storm. And what's happening is, is because we're in a storm, because things are different, because life's different right now, those people that are standing on a firm foundation, they're reading the word of God, they're applying those principles to life, guess what? They're solid. They're at peace. They're at rest. And those that, that aren't on that firm foundation, that solid foundation, what happens right now is they're getting cracks. Okay, they're getting cracks in their foundation. And because of that, uh, the enemy sneaks in and now comes fear and anxiety and you start worrying about things. You're not at rest. You're not at peace with the word of God. But we got to know that he's a provider and a comforter. Now, I want to move on a little bit because I know I actually believe, you know what? I believe right now there's some people watching. And you might be going through that. You might be sitting there right now watching and you're saying, this is my last chance. This is my last hope. I feel the pressure. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know what's on the other side. And I'm here to tell you that you serve a great and powerful God, and he loves you, and he's going to comfort you. He's going to provide for you, but you have to apply the principles to your life. Surrender to him right now. I'm telling you, take those steps. Walk these steps out. Just, Just give it to him right now. So, Father, right now, I just pray right now for those individuals, Father, those ones right now that are just struggling. They're dealing with the anxiety, the fear, the stress, the worry, Father God. We bind that up in your name, Father. We, right, right now, we declare and decree freedom in their home right now, Father God. That, that Lord, we, we, we take it all from them, Father. Let your love cast out all the fear that's going on in their life. Father, we lift them up to you right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So, I'm telling you, I, I want to get back a little bit to talking about the foundation of a house um, because it's so important to look at a, a house foundation, and especially when you're looking at a house. So like I said, it's kind of expensive uh, if you buy a house and it has a cracked foundation. Um, and what I want to talk about with the foundation is that most of the time, the foundation is built to withstand the pressure of the soil, the water, and the weight of the house. So when you build a foundation, which is usually concrete, it could be cement blocks, it could be concrete. Whatever your foundation is, it's built to withstand the pressure. So you're talking about pressure from from the soil, from the water, the expansion of the the soil. Uh, It also protects you from the weight of the house and anything you add onto the house. So, So it's so important to understand the purpose of a foundation. Uh, but, but what I understand is that when pressures, this is how they crack, because the pressures from outside, the rain, the, the storm, the winds, the water could wash away some of the soil. The soil could expand and crack the, the foundation. Okay, whatever happens, the weight of that breaks down the foundation, and the foundation ends up with a crack. Okay, or it'll settle, kind of like... Um, uh, When dirt settles down, you know, if you build a house too quick on a foundation, sometimes you have to wait, then that weight comes down and settles the dirt. Well, that's going to crack your foundation because the soil wasn't packed enough. It wasn't solid enough. It wasn't strong enough. All right, when I think about that, I think about um, the property behind us. So we just bought all this property. And in that property, we had, uh, uh, there was a gully back there. And in that gully, it was filled up. And it was filled up with construction material and all kinds of stuff. Uh, There were trees dumped in there and all kinds of things. Now, with that being said, that ground is not buildable for a structure. 
because all that stuff in there is going to decay and, and all of a sudden it's going to shrink down. So the weight of the, the soil and the decay of all the stuff in there is going to drop it down. So within probably 10 years, you might be able to build a structure. You can build parking lots. You can do all kinds of stuff. Now, that's just a little piece of the property. We actually have a lot of great land back there that is solid foundation that we can build. In fact, we're going to be building a sanctuary back there. So it's going to be powerful, but it's all about the foundation. You can only build on the right foundation. So when I think about that, I want to think about um, the crack, because as you see, our sermon title is called Cracked. So it's the cracked foundation when these cracks actually form in the foundation, which is what you're seeing. Okay, so, so how do you repair that crack? Because you see it on all these repair shows. You see it out there. How do you repair the crack in the foundation of a house? Well, that's important. I want to tell you because I geek out over this stuff. So to, to fix the foundation, if there's a crack in your foundation, you have to do a couple things. One, you have to lift the building up. So you have to lift up the weight, the structure of that. You have to jack it up, and you have to, to, to push and, and reduce the pressure on the foundation. So you have to jack it up. The second thing you have to do is you actually have to fill the crack. You have to fill it up with epoxy, cement, glue, okay, something that bonds. So you have to fill up that crack and bond it together, and then you have to support it. So you have to come underneath it with a beam or a footer, uh, a stronger source that can help withstand the pressure that's going to be coming in the future. So you have to lift it up, you have to fill the crack, and you have to support it. But I also started looking into it, and there's actually two different kinds of cracks. And this is very important because when you look at a foundation, you have a vertical crack and a horizontal crack in a foundation. Now, the vertical cracks in a foundation, you know what? They're not that bad. It's a crack. It's bad. You need to fix it because it's not good. But, but what it does is your house that has, has a vertical weight distribution. What that means is that as long as the weight is coming straight down, if you have a vertical crack, that's fine. But there is a separation, okay, between, between the two sides. But here's the thing. With a horizontal crack, this is what's bad. With a horizontal crack, there is a crack in the horizontal plane of the foundation, which means when the weight of the house comes down, there's an empty space, it's going to crumble. If you have a horizontal crack, it's going to crumble, and it's going to crack, and it's going to be destroyed, okay? And the foundation will be destroyed. So the most important thing is you identify where the crack is, Okay, and then how to repair it. Okay, and how to repair it. Because sometimes if it's a small crack, you can do it yourself. It's a, it's a, it's a DIY thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a DIY thing. It's a do-it-yourself thing. There you go. It's just an acronym. <laughs> but you can do it yourself. And sometimes the crack's so big, you've got to hire a specialist. You've got to find somebody that knows how to restore it, somebody that knows how to, to repair it and put it back to something greater than it ever was, greater than it's ever going to be. So if that doesn't make sense to you looking at the crack of a foundation of a house, how about we compare it to your life? That's right. How about we compare the foundation to your foundation in Christ of where you at, where you are at with Christ, to his teachings, to his word, to the foundation that, that, that you're trying to build your life upon, your house upon. Because when we, when we build it on his prompts, his, his foundation, when we build it on his principles, man, it's going to withstand the storms. It's going to withstand uh, the, the, the wind and the rains and the storms of life. So what we're experiencing right now is, in society, is that storm. So it's coming. The storm is here. The flood is here. It's a true test of your foundation. So with those pressures that come, uh, they may reveal some cracks in your foundation. With all the pressures of society, you may start seeing cracks pop up in your foundation. So the key is you need to identify those cracks, and you need to repair them as soon as you can. 
And guess what? Some of those cracks, you can repair yourself. And some of those cracks you're going to have to give to, to, to a specialist, to God, for him to restore and repair and take care of. Because I'm telling you, you're going to need Jesus to come in and do that. And I, and I know that because there were times in my life where I've done something completely just stupid. And it was a crack. But then I realized, you know, what if I don't do that again? I can fix this. And I could fix that crack myself. And I said, you know what? Not going to do that again. Better idea. Let's not do that. And then I would take care of that and fix the crack. Then there's other things in my life where I had no choice but surrender everything to God and say, Lord, without you, I can't fix it. Without you, the whole foundation is crumbling. Without you, my house is crumbling. So there are times in life when you have to submit it to him. And he's the only one that can restore it and repair it. So my question to you is, how's your foundation? How's your foundation? Is it built on solid rock or is it built on soft soil and sand? Is it cracking under pressure right now? The pressure of being alone, the pressure of not being able to come out of your house, the pressure of not having people around you, the pressure of of not being out and, and doing what you're used to doing. Is that getting to you? The pressure of working. We have some people that have to work. We have some people that, that are working long hours, and they're putting in all the work and all that, and all that pressure builds up. So is that pressure cracking your foundation? How about those people that aren't working, those people that, that had a job, and, and now they don't, and now they're at home, and it's a whole different, uh, a different story, and, and you don't feel like there's purpose in your life. And, and you, guess what? You're feeling the pressure, and because of that, you're starting to see a crack in your foundation. Maybe it's financial pressure. And you're saying, I don't know how I'm going to do it now because I lost my job and I don't have this and I don't have that and my bills are too big and and my finances are too low. So the financial pressure comes in on your family and and it puts this pressure in. And for you as a provider, you're trying to figure that out. But the pressure leads to cracks. Is it pressures of society? We talked about this last week. Is it the pressure that, that you've got to have what everybody else has or, or your kids have to do what everybody else's kids have to do um, or what's your true identity in? Because that can add pressure to you and you could crack under the pressure. It could be relationship pressures because I know right now is a time in your life where, where your relationship with your spouse and now you're in the house together all the time and if you did have issues there, how are you dealing with that? Are, are you stressing out over that? Are there pressure coming from that relationship or being with the kids? Is it causing a crack in your foundation? Because I'm telling you, the, the crack in the foundation is actually, is actually coming from fear because fear equals pressure. So fear in your life will equal the pressure that's coming down on you. So the pressure on the foundation comes from fear. But this is what I love. This is what I love. That even though fear is creeping in, anxiety is creeping in, and it's causing pressure, guess what? I love what the Bible says. 1 John 4.18. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. Right? But, the, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So it says that there is no fear in love. So God's love, God's perfect love right, for us, the fact that he cares for us, the fact that he loves us, that casts out all fear. So in other words, when, when, when God's love casts out the fear, there's no fear to cause the pressure. So what that means is that, that honestly, if you look at it, then God's presence, because you can't have God's love without God's presence. So, so guess what? God's presence reduces the pressure. 
So God's presence in your life will reduce the pressure of what's going on in society, what's going on in life. All those pressures are reduced by God's presence. And that's important to understand. I love what it says in Joshua 1.5. Joshua 1.5. It says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, God said, when we follow him, well, well, guess what? When we hear his word, when we apply those principles to our life, guess what? No one can stand against you. Nothing form can stand against you. And guess what? He, he will never leave you nor forsake you in everything that you do. So if God's presence produces, uh, reduces the pressure, then how do we get into God's presence? That's so important because none of us want the pressure. No, everybody wants the life, but they don't want the pressure. Everybody wants the foundation, but they don't want the pressure. So, so how, do we, how do we get into the presence of God? So I'm going to kind of teach a little bit today. We're going to kind of break it down a little bit today. I want to talk to you. How do you get into the presence of God? Because for some people watching this morning, they've never been there. They don't understand how to get there. So we're going to talk about that. So we're going to talk about the presence of God. And the first thing I want to say is that usually the hardest part about getting into the presence of God is knowing that you can. Okay, it's, it, it's, it's because sometimes, guess what? We have, we have sin in our life that stops us from getting into his presence. And not because of him, but because of us. I love what 1 John 1, 9 from the Passion, 1 John 1, 9 says, But if we freely admit our sins when his light, uh, light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive our sins because of Christ, and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So guess what we have to do? We have to pray to him. We have to have a conversation with him, okay, and we have to confess our sins to him. So go to God and talk to him. The first step is having that conversation and saying, Lord, forgive me. I, I'm sorry for what I did. Forgive me for my sins. And when you do that, when you're honest about that and you give it to God, guess what he's going to do? He's going to forgive you. And he's going to love you. So if you have, you have sin in your life, it could be stopping you from being in the presence of God. And it might be something small when I talk about sin. And sometimes when I say sin, people think, man, the Ten Commandments, yeah, that's sin. But I'm talking about other things, too. I'm talking about unforgiveness and bitterness. And, and maybe there's gossip and fear and anxiety, okay? But when you confess those sins, okay, that were keeping you from walking with God, guess what? He reaches his hand down, he loves on you, he forgives you, and all of a sudden, you feel his presence. And here's the thing, it's not that you, he was never there. That's, the, that's what people get caught up on. God is always there. He's always seeking you, but it's you. It's because of the shame. That's what keeps you from being in his presence. Okay, you sinned, and now you feel shame because of that. And because of that shame, you hide. Because of that shame, you hide from God. If you go all the way back to Genesis 3, 8 through 9, uh, this is right after Adam and Eve, they sinned in the garden. And after they sinned in the garden, this is what it said they did. It said, uh, picking up in verse 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in, a cool, in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? So here's the problem. When you sin, you hide because you're shameful. God's always there. God's chasing after you. But because of the shame, you try to hide from God. Okay, so when you, when you go to God and you confess your sins and you ask for forgiveness and he forgives you, that opens the door. That allows you to walk in, okay, and just say, receive his love. It, it takes away the shame. Think of it this way. Have you ever lied to your parents as a kid? 
So when I was a kid and, and I'd lie to my parents, I might say something about school. I remember one time, and Mom, I love you, but, and you're not going to believe this, but I had like a 36 on my report card. I know. I think it was in English. And uh, <laughs> I had like a 36, and I took a pencil and I shaded it in. I made it look like an 86. And this was back when you didn't have computers, so you couldn't go online. They actually used the dot matrix printer, and I tried everything I could. I had a typewriter. I tried everything I could, but I made it an 86, okay? And I lied about it. I lied about it. But the bad part about lying about your grades is eventually they're going to catch up to you because by the end of the school year, you just don't move on. <laughs> so, so it's kind of hard to hide that. But I remember how long I walked around, and I, I didn't even want to talk about school. And I hid from my parents. I didn't want to talk about school. I didn't want to talk about grades. I found everything I could to get out of their presence because I was worried about the conversation. What if the school called? What if something's going on? But then when it finally came out and when we finally talked about it and, and I was able to express to them my sincere apologies uh, for doing that, what I realized was this. There was a freedom in that. There was a freedom knowing that, one, my parents don't hate me. They will never hate me. And I think if you have a kid, you're never going to hate your child. You're going to love your child. But it was, it was the fear of, I was shameful. I was afraid of what could happen. So therefore, I hid from that reality. But when I confessed it, my parents loved me. And guess what? From that point on, now I could do what? Now I could openly talk to my parents all the time about anything because I realized that, well, they're going to find out anyway, for one. Uh, and God knows everything anyway. But he's going to find out about everything. Uh, and if I just share it, it takes that pressure off from me. So when you confess it, uh, there's freedom in that when you confess your sins. I love what Psalms 32 says, and this is, uh, you know, th- this is David talking, but Psalms 32, 3 through 5, Psalms 32, 3 through 5, it kind of explains it right here. It says, before I confessed my sins, I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish, and misery. The pain never let up for your hand, um, for your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. Then I finally admitted to you all my sins, refusing to hide them any longer. I said, my life-giving God, I will openly acknowledge my evil actions, and you forgave me. All at once, the guilt of my sin washed away, and all my pain disappeared. We serve a powerful God, and I believe when you're going through a hard time in life, and I believe um, when you're having a hard time hearing from God and listening to God and you're struggling because of different things in your head, all God wants you to do is just reveal that to him. Confess whatever's going on in your life to him, and guess what he's going to do? He's going to love you through it. He's going to forgive you. He wants to do life with you, and the only thing stopping that from happening is you because he's a loving God. So that's the first thing you need to do. You need to confess your sins to God to open up that, your heart to an opportunity uh, to be in his presence. And the next thing you have to do, so you got to confess to God, confess your sins. Then you got to read the word. You got to read the word of God or listen to the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says this. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desire. So we have to read the word of God. And I love my wife because, you know, as, as I'm talking to her about things and I'll even share what I'm going to talk about in a sermon. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to read our Bible and do what it says. I say that all the time. And she's like, you really need to think about that. Cause there's a lot of people out there that don't know what that means. And there's a lot of people that try to just read their Bible, but they realize that when they start to read their Bible, it just doesn't make sense. Things don't line up. They've never done that before. So today we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit more 
uh, about the Bible and how to read the Bible. But I love what that word says. It says the word of God is alive and it's powerful. So the Holy Spirit speaks to you through the word. That's why it's so important that you read the word or listen to the word. Because when you're reading it or, or you're listening to it, it's the living word of God that welcomes in his presence as he speaks to you, as he speaks to your heart. So I want to talk to you this morning because I know this is big because you can confess your sins to God. But now you got to read the Bible and now you're saying, but where do I start? How do I do that? What am I supposed to do? So the first thing I'm going to ask you to do, and these are just little technical things. We want to help you with this. We actually have stuff for you. So I want you to, to go to our app, Destiny Church Alabama, Destiny Church Alabama. Download our app. Inside that app, there's a Bible reading plan, okay? And that's just to help you out. There's a Bible reading plan in there. If you click on that, you can follow a whole plan to read the Bible. You can download uh, the Bible app. The Bible app is one of the most downloaded apps in the world. Okay, so you can download the Bible app, and it's going to give you every version of the Bible, every translation of the Bible. It's going to give you reading plans. It's going to help you with daily scripture verses. There's a lot of information out, out there if you're into, you know, dealing with apps and dealing with your phones and all that stuff. Okay, but, but my thing is to help you a little bit more. Because so, when you start reading the Bible, you're probably thinking two things. A lot of people pick up the Bible and say, I want to read it from front to back, and they, they get a little bit, and then they go, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, so you can either read the Bible topically where you can actually come up with a, a topic in your mind like fear or anxiety and just focus on that and go ahead and jump around to everything that talks about that. Or you can read the Bible, you know, each book front to back. You can read each book front to back. But, but I would say that if you're going to do it, then there's a couple things, and I have a couple recommendations to read the Bible. Um, first off, you've got to understand that, and I, I'll share this because I love her, but, um, you know, we had an exchange student from uh, – uh, Columbia, and she lived in Mexico, and I remember we, we, I'm talking about reading the Bible and the books of the Bible, and I remember her, you know, coming to the balcony at the house and leaning over and going, hey, Dad, um, what book do we have? And I was like, we have the Bible, and she's like, okay, but, but what book do we have? And she's like, you told me there were 66 books of the Bible. I said, yes, there's 66 books of the Bible. Which one do we have? I'm like, that's the NIV, <laughs> and she was like, but where are the other books? So she didn't even understand that there were 66 books. Like I had to explain to her, it's like chapters in the Bible, but they're books in the Bible, but they're chapters. So I realized that when, when she told me that, I said, not everybody understands it the way we all understand it. Not everybody grew up in church. So I said, okay, let me explain it to her, and I broke that down to her. And she was like, now that makes a whole lot more sense because she thought we had to get another 65 books that she would have to read. But I said, it's just one book. There's just books within the book. So my best thing for you, what I would say is this. When it comes to reading the Bible, I want you to remember this, that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So you have to have a plan when it comes to reading the Bible. And it doesn't have to be a Bible reading plan. It just has, You have to have a plan in place for yourself. So the first thing I'm going to tell you to do is pick a time. That's probably the most important thing is find a time in your schedule where you can say, no matter what, I'm going to read the Bible or listen to the Bible at this time. And now I can already hear it. I don't have time. There's no time. I have kids. Okay, here's my thing. If your only time is going to be in the morning, you need to wake up early. If you have to be at work at 8 and you're used to getting up at 730 to get to work by 8, but you want to read your Bible, guess what? You need to get up earlier. Okay, it's going to call. You're going to have to do something. Uh, you're going to have to do something to apply the, the principles of the Bible to your life. And one of them is you have to read it. So you have to make time to read the Bible. The second thing is, is that you have to pick a place. Find a quiet place. Find a place that you can designate as your place. That's the place where you can go and you know you can get into presence and you're not going to be interfered with. You're not going to be interrupted. That's why the time and the place makes so much sense. 
The second thing is you have to have some tools with you. I'm, I'm, I'm just on this build thing. So you have to have some tools with you, okay? You have to have a notebook, a journal, a highlighter, a pen, coffee, or a drink, anything, whatever it is. Here's the thing. You don't want to get into the place, start reading the Bible, and go, hmm, now I'm thirsty, and then get up and walk in someplace to go get something. Have everything you need right there. Have everything you need there so you don't have to move. Have your notebook so when, when you start feeling God speak to you or something pops in your mind, you can write it down. But when you're reading the Bible, no matter which way it is, and I'll get into those two ways again, but no matter which way you're reading the Bible, I want you to think about two things. One, what does it teach me about God? So whatever part of the Bible you're reading, whatever verse you're reading, whatever chapter you're reading, whatever book you're reading, what does it teach me about God? And then what does it teach me about how I should live? That's the second thing. What does it teach me about the principles of how I should live. So those are the two things I want you to think about when you're reading. And those are some great things you can have ready for your journal, ready for your notebook to write down when you start reading the word of God. Okay, now before you start reading, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. I'm going to ask you to start with a prayer. And this is just a a quick prayer from from you to God. And all you're doing is you're asking God to reveal his word to you. You're asking God to to work through the reading, work work through you reading, work through the word for the Holy Spirit to come and and hit something in your heart and put something in your heart. I love what John 14, 26 says, John 14, 26. It says, but when the Father sends the spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name, and he will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. So you got to ask the Holy Spirit to be your helper. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you and teach you when you sit down to read. And once you do that, once you pray, um, let's go back. I guess the best thing for you to do is, is to pick the right Bible translation. So, there, you know, there's tons of translations of the Bible out there. You can see them all. Um, but there's several like uh, the NIV, the NLT. So um, you have the, the Amplified, the Passion Translation, the King James Version, the New King James Version. And it goes on and on and on and on, all these different translations. So what I ask you to do is find one that you can read easily and understand. That's what I'm going to ask you to do. Now, what I usually tell people is get the NLT. Start out with the New Living Translation. The NLT is a great Bible. It puts it in in real-time words where you can understand it. But you can get any one you want. A good way to look for that is if you go on the Bible app, they have different translations. So you can look on there what reads well. Or you can go to, uh, there's a BibleGateway.com. I use that a lot where I can go in BibleGateway.com. I'll type up a verse. I'll start reading it. Then I can just click a drop-down box and change it to any version, any translated version I want. And it shows me the differences, and I can read through it and read uh, a, just a different translation and try to, it helps me uh, follow words and see how there's a play on words uh, in what you're reading. So BibleGateway.com or the Bible app will get you that. Also, a good thing to do uh, is either, we have, we're going to have a book here. We used to have them. We're out. I already ordered them. They'll be back here in a week. We have about 100 of them coming in. It's called Know Your Bible. It's a little book. I was going to bring one from home. And what it does, it breaks down every book of the Bible. It tells you who wrote the book, who they're writing it to, the time frame they're writing it to. It gives you the context of the book and all that stuff before you read it. So it's better to know it's, it, what you're reading before you read it. You need to know who they're writing it to. You need to understand the context of where you're going. If you want to know that, if you don't have that book, we'll have them here free. So whenever you come back, we'll get you one. Uh, It'll be a free resource for you. But if not, you can Google it. You can say, hey, Google, uh, what is the book of Matthew about? And then it'll break it down and tell you everything, who wrote the book, what it's about, who they're speaking to, and what's going on. But you need to understand the context of what you're reading 
okay, and who's writing the book if you want to understand the full meaning of the scripture and what it means. So hopefully this is helping you. Um, uh, One other thing I would tell you is that if you're like me, I don't do this, but you need to start slow. Don't think you have to read the Bible in a weekend. Okay, you need to read in small portions. And what I mean is maybe 10, 15 minutes a day when you start out. Because what you want to do is whatever you're reading, you want to meditate on it. You want to think about it. You, you want to see if God downloads something in you, if you start thinking about things that apply to your life. And when you feel that, when you feel that tug in your heart as you're reading it, you want to write that stuff down. That's fresh revelation that God's giving you about that verse and how you apply it to your life. And those thoughts, they're just the thoughts. They're like the thoughts that just pop up in your head when you're reading the verse. So now you have two different ways you have if you choose to read it topical. Once again, you could just Google what are some verses about fear, anxiety, uh, whatever it might be, marriage, however you want to get in there. Or you can go to the Bible app um, or you can go to a concordance. So that's usually in the back of the Bible. When you flip to the back, there'll be a concordance. And in that concordance, it'll actually give you the same verbs and it'll say uh, or it'll give you the same information. It'll say, oh, what do you want to know about family or marriage? And it'll give you every scripture in there that relates to that. So you can use the back of your Bible. It's been there the whole time and you can use it that way. So you got to decide how you're going to read it, whether you're going to read it book by book or you're going to you're going to you're going to read it um, through a, a topical style where you just pick a, a subject and read it. So when you read it book by book, here's what I'm going to tell you. you can, most people want to start in the beginning. They think it reads like a regular book. You start in the beginning, you read all the way through. It doesn't work that way. Okay, so I want to help you a little bit. I want you, uh, if you're going to start reading the Bible for the first time, I want you to start in the New Testament. I want you to read the Gospels first. The Gospels, the good news. These are the stories about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, that's our Gospels, and I want you to start there. So if you're new to the Bible, do me a favor. Start in the Gospel of John. Why? Because he was the favored one. He was the one that that, uh, supposedly had the best relationship with Jesus. So it's the fourth book in the New Testament. So your Bible's split. You have the Old Testament and New Testament. So you're going to go to the New Testament, then you're going to go into the fourth book, which is John. And this is John's eyewitness account to the life of Jesus. This is the one, this is one of Jesus' closest disciples, and, and he spent time with Jesus, and he watched it. It's his account. It's compelling. It's informative. This is, this is John speaking about Jesus and what he did. And his whole purpose of writing this was to help us believe. It was to help us believe. Um, so it's an ideal place to start reading the Bible is in the Gospel of John. In fact, in John 20, 31, it says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Man, that's so good. So, so by believing you will have life in his name. To believe you've got to read. So faith comes through hearing, hearing through the word of God. So after you read John... I'm going to ask you, you can move on to the other Gospels. You have, you know, Matthew and, and Mark and Luke. Now, here you might say, but I'm hearing some of the same stuff. That's right, because there are four people spending time with Jesus. <laughs> okay, it's kind of like if, if, if you and three of your friends went to uh, a state fair and you did some stuff there, you're going to come back and you'll probably share the same stories about things, but each of you are going to have different details on how that, that trip was at the state fair. Well, same thing here. You see different details from four different people. But then once you move on from that, you can, and I'm not going to go through all this, but you can start in Genesis. That's the history. That's the beginning. That's the creation. Okay, if you want words of wisdom, if you want to have knowledge, it's, it's Job and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. If you want poetry and you really want to hear like a song type of stuff, it's in the book of Psalms and Song of Songs and Lamentations. I'm not going to get into the rest. You can Google all that stuff, but it's a good, my thing is this, have a good study plan, uh, have a purpose when you read it, and stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. You can Google that and get all kinds of information. 
Here's a better thing. You can ask a friend. You can ask somebody in your small group. You can ask somebody that you serve with at the church. The whole point of having life and doing life together is so you can trust the people around you. So when you start asking them to help you, they can feed information to you and help you walk through this. I think that's probably my biggest frustration when I became a Christian and started going to churches. I didn't know how to read my Bible, and there was nobody around to show me. So I just had to learn on my own. So here it is. You got to to get in the presence of God. You've got to, one, ask God for forgiveness. You got to read your Bible. And the third thing you have to do is you have to worship him. You have to worship him. You have to call on his name. You know, when we sing songs of praise and we just worship him, you know, we're no longer, what I love about worship is we're no, no longer thinking about ourselves. When we're singing out loud and we're praising God, it's no longer about us. It's about him. Okay, we're no longer worried about what's going in our mind because it's hard to talk about something and think about something else. Right, so when we're worshiping or you're reading your Bible, when you're reading your Bible out loud, all you can do is focus on what you're reading. I have that problem. When I read it quietly, sometimes my mind goes somewhere. But when I read it out loud, I'm good. Right, so, so think about this when it comes to worship. We're going to keep God as our focus. I love what Psalms 95, 1 through 6 says. Psalms 95, 1 through 6. It says, come on, everyone. Let's sing for joy to the Lord. Let's shout our loudest praises to our God who saved us. Everyone come meet his face with a thankful heart. Don't hold back your praises. Make him great by your shouts of joy. For the Lord is the greatest of all, King God over all other gods. In one hand, he holds the mystery of the earth. In the other, he holds the highest mountain peaks. He is the owner of every ocean, the engineer and sculptor of earth itself. Come and kneel before this creator, God, come and bow before the mighty God, our majestic maker. Hmm. When you just worship him, when you can just sing praises to him, it shifts the atmosphere. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You could walk into a room and feel horrible and have all these pressures on life. If you can click on some worship music, if you can just have a spot where you can just cry out and sing to him, the atmosphere will change. The focus will go from you to him. Okay, and the situation's going to change. And it's proven, Psalms 118, Psalms 118, 5 and 6. And this is David, and this is when the world's crashing down on David. He says, when hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So here you see it, when he was hard-pressed, when, when, when the pressure was coming down on David on, and the pressure was pushing him down and he was feeling trouble and anxiety and fear, he cried out to the Lord. And when he did that, it brought him into a spacious place. It took him from a, a place of, uh, where he was just confined and constricted and it brought him into a spacious place where there was freedom and no pressure. Why? Because it's his power, it's his authority. It's the love of God that casts out all fear and removes the pressure. So, yeah, when we, when we cry out to the Lord, it takes us from a place of pressure uh, to a place of peace. Hmm. So what I love about pressure, because knowing that God's presence reduces the pressure, the problem is, is some of us, we have already had pressure in our life. We've already had pressure on the foundation. So how do we fix that? How, how, how do we take care of that? Because pressure reveals cracks. Pressure in your life will reveal cracks in your foundation. So if the pressure's revealing a crack in your foundation, what kind of crack is it? Like we talked about before, when it comes to a structural foundation of an actual house, you have vertical and horizontal cracks. So what kind of crack is in your life right now? 
Is it, a, is it a vertical crack? Because if there's a vertical crack in your foundation, guess what? That stops the relationship. It stops the communications with others. If there's a vertical crack, no longer can you speak across the line. You might have direct access to God, but you're not doing life with anybody. You're not doing life with people that are around you that love you. This is the most common crack you can have in a spiritual foundation is a vertical crack. Because you think you can isolate yourself from people. You think that you can do it on your own. But we found out when you isolate yourself, the crack gets bigger. You can't isolate yourself from other people. We are family. Okay, and guess what? We don't quit our family. Right? So in other words, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you're dealing with, we love you. Okay, we're going to take time uh, to communicate with you, to help you. You've got to reach out. You've got to communicate to us. You're not on your own. So today, even today, wherever you're at, you might be feeling that. You might be feeling like you've been left aside or nobody's reaching out to you. Look, when, when there's a vertical crack in your foundation, in your spiritual foundation, you need to reach out. You, you need to reach out to people. Because James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that we may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So not only are we supposed to confess it to Jesus, when we confess our sins to the people that are close to us, to the people we trust, to the people on our teams, to the people in our church, to our church family, to our regular family, whatever it is, they can pray for us. And there's powerful, powerful prayer that happens. And when they pray, many powerful things and wonderful things are going to happen. So you need to reach out to other people that care about you so they can pray for you. See, the whole point of doing life together is so that we can strengthen each other, so that we can actually do life together as a family, as a unit. Because when there's more of us together, it strengthens the foundation. You just can't isolate yourself and hope that everything's going to be good. So if you're struggling with this, ask for help. And guess what? If people are reaching out to you, leaders, uh, people in the church, you might say, but I'm on a firm foundation. Well, that's great. If people are reaching out to you, then, then, then you need to do what Paul, Paul did. This is what Paul said in Galatians, Galatians 6, 2 and 3. So uh, Galatians 6, 2 to 3, it says, love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry each other's troubles. If you think you are too important to stoop down to help another, you are living in deception. So what that means is that, look, his love, we're supposed to carry the troubles of other people and help other people and pick people up. And if you think you're too good to reach down and help somebody, you're living in a deception. You're living in a misconception of who you are in Christ. So as believers, our love is formed from the love of God. So we should be available to help those in needs. As a church family, we should be available to help those in need to help carry the burdens and the pressures and, and relieve that from our brothers and sisters who are struggling. That's what church is all about. Like, like we, we can honestly look, we can worship God from home. You can hear the word of God from home, but when you come into a family of believers that love you and want to help you, we build, we build a strong family knit together. We can do this together. We can't give up on people. We need to draw closer to them and love them through all their stuff. But it takes a two-way street. We can reach out hands, but if you don't accept the hand, it's not going to help. And if you don't reach out, it's hard to reach you. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A dear friend will love you no matter what. And a family, and a family sticks together through all kinds of trouble. So we're your church family. We love you. We care about you. And we're here for you.
So I don't care if you found us online. I don't care if you randomly walked into our church. Maybe you were invited into our church. Whatever it is, it wasn't on accident. That was God telling you that you need to be connected. You need to be together with people with the same passion and the same principles in their life that can help you and walk you through what you're going through and actually build you up and help build your foundation to help mend the cracks and, and fix what's going on. Here's what I like about vertical cracks too. See, when you have a vertical crack where you're not talking about and you can't communicate with each individual, uh, what it does, it actually proves and and shows you uh, and reveals a horizontal crack. It reveals a horizontal crack in your foundation that's stopping you from speaking to God. Because when you think you can do it on your own and then you get out there and you start trying to do it on your own, you're going to start struggling because you're going to realize that your foundation with Christ wasn't as strong as you thought it was. It's going to be revealed because the horizontal crack is the one that, that keeps you and separates us from God. And this can be, this can be the biggest one. If you don't fix the horizontal crack in your life, it's going to lead to complete failure. This is where you see moral failures. You see character integrity failures. You find yourself living in fear and anxiety and worry, living in sin. So if that's you and you're dealing with that, i got to ask you, where's your relationship with God? Where's that foundation coming from? Do you know God or do you just know of God? Because if, if, if you know of God, that's religion. But, but, but if you know God, that's relationship. That's what this is all about, is trusting and loving a God that's so powerful that loves you through anything, no matter what. He's going to love you and he's going to help you. So I guess my question would be, was your only relationship with him on a Sunday morning? And now that Sunday mornings are gone, where are you? How are you handling that now that Sundays are gone? Is it revealing a crack in your foundation? Are you struggling? Have you stopped praying, stopped worshiping, stopped reading the Bible? Because I know what it's like to go through seasons like that where you get so caught up with life that, that, that you're just not hearing from him or you feel like he's not around. You get caught up with everything going on. And it's a, a cold and dark place to be in. See, sometimes people just make bad choices and they feel the shame. So they hide from God and God's saying, look, we can fix this. The horizontal crack is the kind of crack that, that you've got to give to him. You've got to give it to God and let him fix it. Because he's going to love you through your failures. He's going to love you through everything if you just surrender to him. I'm just telling you, it's not too late to get back in his presence. It's not too late to get in his closeness, his warmth as he wraps his arms around you. He can shelter you from the storm if you'll just turn back to him. But you're the only one that can make that decision. Only you can welcome him back into your life. So here's the thing. We can identify the cracks in our foundation, in our spiritual foundation. But identifying them and fixing them are two different things. So how do we move into fixing that? We've got to fix the crack because if you don't fix it, that's where everything starts falling apart. Because cracks allow the enemy in. So when you have a crack in your spiritual foundation, the enemy starts slithering in, starts sneaking in. And his whole job is to kill, steal, and destroy. 
So all we got to do is go back to what we talked about, a structural foundation. How did they repair the cracks in the foundation? Well, it's the same thing in your spiritual foundation. You need to lift up the pressures and the problems in your life. You got to lift them up to God. You got to give them to him. You're not supposed to hang on to them. He took them from you. He said, give them to me. Quit taking them back. These are my problems. Give them back to me. So we've got to lift that stuff. Lift those pressures up to God. Give him, give him the anxiety. Give him the fear. Tell him to take it, and guess what? He will, and then leave it there. Leave it there. Pray to him and allow him to strengthen you, to give you that courage and the power to walk in freedom. And then guess what? Once we lift it up, what did we say before? Then in the crack, you've got to apply epoxy. You've got to apply cement. You've got to apply glue. Guess what? That's the word of God. The word of God is what's going to strengthen you. It's what's going to pull you back together. So you have to read the Bible. You have to get into the word of God. You have to listen to his word. You have to apply those principles to your life. And then once you put that in there, once you start applying that to your life, now you're going to need to support the foundation just like with the regular foundation. you got to support your spiritual foundation. You're going to get support from the love from your church, the love from your friends, the love from your family. Let them be part of the support system. Let them be the people that come together to support all those pressures. Everything you're trying to do, you need help. You cannot do life alone. So don't isolate yourself. Reach out to those that care about you. Reach out to your small groups and your serve teams. Reach out to your church family. Lean on those that love you and care about you. So remember, as we finish up, that, that, that fear equals pressure. And God's love, it casts out all fear. And his presence removes the pressure. So we need to get into the presence of God. How do we do that? By praying, by reading the Bible, by worshiping him. And understand that pressure reveals cracks. So, so the pressures of life are going to reveal cracks in your spiritual foundation that you either have with others or you have with God. So once those cracks are revealed, we got to fix them. We fix those cracks by giving our problems back to God, by, by reading the word of God and applying it to our life, and by leaning on those that love us and want to help. Because, man, we can't do life alone. And that's my prayer for you. Amen? Come on. I'll tell you, I just know that, that, that I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I want you to know that you serve a great and powerful God who loves you. And I don't know what kind of pressures are going on in your life right now. I don't know uh, wherever you're sitting at home, what, if you're in, at home, at work, if you're in your car. I don't know what kind of pressures are, are pouring down on you right now. I just know that you have a God that's reaching out his hand and says, I want to help you. I want to relieve that pressure from your life. Just give it to me. So I want to pray for everybody this morning as, as we're getting ready to close. I just want you to know that, 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 that God loves you, and we're going to pray that he just shows up in a mighty and powerful way in your life. So, Father, you just see the hearts right now in all the homes, all the workplaces, wherever they're watching, God, you see their hearts. Father, you know what they're going through. You know the thoughts in their minds and the thoughts on their heart. So, Father God, we ask you right now to, to remove the fear, the anxiety, the worry. Get rid of those things, Father God, that don't belong there, Lord. So we declare and decree freedom over their life, Father. That, Father, they can start fresh and new. Father, they can give it all to you. They can confess anything to you, God. And you're going to make them whole and free. 
Father, we just, we just pray right now, Father, for those families that, that, that need to be um, reconciled, Father God. So, so if they have a vertical crack right now in their spiritual foundation where they're not talking to family members, so if there's anything in a family that's not reunited, Father, I pray right now that you'll work in a supernatural way to bring those families back together. That, God, they, can, that they, need to, they need to restore those relationships, God. So we give it all to you to restore the relationships in their life. And, Father, if they're dealing with uh, uh, just a communication with you and they're listening right now, Father God, I pray right now that, Father, you'll break free. You'll, you'll break them free from anything that's keeping them down, any stronghold in their life. That, Father, you will show them a way of, of direct communication with you, Father. So we just pray right now that, that they increase in reading the word. They increase in their worship, Father, and they, and they just give everything to you, Lord. So, Father, we just lift them up to you this morning. Father, we just love you. We honor you. We thank you for all your praise or for all your grace, all your mercy in our life. And we give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And I know there's some people there that you need, you need to take that first step. You, you're, you're, you're walking through stuff in your life right now that, that, that you need help from. You need to relieve that pressure, and you don't know God. You have to start at the beginning, which is surrender your heart to him. Surrender your heart to the one who loves you and cares about you. And it doesn't take much. In fact, the, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, 10, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you get to enter into a relationship with him where he can free you and, and forgive you for all your sins. And you get to walk with none of this burden and this pressure on your life. And also you get to spend eternity with him. So I want you to know, you might not ever been on a team before, but we want you on our team. We want to do life with you. We want you to do life in eternity with, with, with Jesus. So if you want that in your life right now, if you've never done that before, I'm going to give you a chance right where you're at, at your home, uh, in your house, at work, in your car. I don't care what you have to do. Just take a moment right now because all you have to do is declare with your mouth and we're going to, and believe it in your heart. So we're going to say this prayer together. And after you say this prayer, you're accepting Jesus into your heart. So just repeat it after me at home uh, as we pray this together. Say, Jesus, I need you. I kept you out of my life for too long. I can't do it on my own. Change me. Come into my life and be my Savior. I know you died on the cross and you rose again just for me. Today, I surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, if you just said that prayer, uh, look, you're guaranteed a spot in heaven. Look, and here's the other thing. God's forgiving you of your sins. So now you don't have to walk in shame. You don't have to hide from him. But now you get to spend time in his word. Get in his presence and allow God to build you up. Start applying the principles of that to your life. But here's the thing. You can't do it on your own, so reach out to us. Call our church. Email us at info at destinychurch.al. Let us know that you made that decision. We have free resources for you. We want to send you books. We want to get you all the information you need. We want to do life with you. We want to show you how to do this. We want to help you build a solid foundation for you to build your life on. And I'm telling you, we're just so excited there. I thank you for doing that. Please reach out to us. We just love the fact that, that you're tuning in and that you're, you're hearing this word, and, and I just know God's moving in your life. But here at Destiny, before we close, we just believe giving is a form of worship. And we can't do anything we're doing right now without you. I'm so thankful for a church that has givers. So if this message is hitting you, if this is touching you in your heart, and you want to share with that, if you want to you give back, you want to start making a difference financially to, to what you do in life, then it's called giving. It's called tithing. It's called um, giving God what's his. And, a, and here's the thing. You're not giving to a church. You're giving through a church. 
So God's going to use that through a church to change lives, to advance the gospel, to do amazing things. So what I want to do today, there are two ways you can give. You can give in um, by mailing in a, a, a check or whatever to the church, and our address is on the screen. Um, or you can go online. If you're on our app, you can give on our app. If you're on your website, you can give on your website, on our website. All you have to do is click on that, go through that information. It's a safe way to give. Um, but you can give this morning. You can give this morning. But right now, I just want to pray for you. I want to pray over our offering. I ask God to start moving in your heart. So, Father, we thank you, God, and we love you. And once again, we just thank you for your presence this morning. I thank you for an opportunity to share the word, Father. And, Father, right now, uh, as we're getting prepared uh, to give this morning, I ask you that you just speak to us, God. You lay on our heart what that should be, how we should give, and what we should give, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that whatever we give is being stewarded, Father, that, that through your word, Father God, is being used for your kingdom, and we thank you for that, Lord. So, Father, right now, I ask you that as people give, Father, you bless the gift, you bless the giver, Lord. And, Father, right now I just lift everybody up to you, Lord, as we get prepared for another week. Father, God, I ask you to protect us, to guide us, to lead us, Father. Father, we look forward to coming closer to you uh, and closer in your presence, Lord, as we, as we just apply the principles of your word to our lives. So, Father, I ask you right now to just bless us this week, Father. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I thank you guys for tuning in. We love you so much. We can't wait to do life again together where we can just hug on you and love on you. But until then, look, we look forward to tuning in next week as we bring another powerful word. God bless. Have a great week.